I'm Devin Dwyer in Washington with Catherine Folders, our White House producer. Great to have you with us here today on this very busy Tuesday. An extraordinary scene playing out just a few minutes ago in the Oval Office, a summit uh, between President Trump and the top Democrats in Congress, a sort of preview, if you will, of the coming attraction here in Washington with the Democratic-controlled House. It sure was feisty, uh, as one of my colleagues put that meeting. Let's give you a little bit of taste of it if you didn't see it. Here's Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Minority Leader, uh, bantering with President Trump over his request for a border wall. Take a listen. Let me say something, Mr. President. You just say my way or we'll shut down the government. We have a proposal that Democrats and Republicans will support to do a CR that will not shut down the government. We urge you to take it. And if it's not good border security, I it won't take it. It is very good border security. And if it's security. not good border security, I won't take it. It's what the Because when you look at these numbers, of the effectiveness of our border security. And when you look at the job that we're doing you with our military... You just said it is effective. 20 but, times Chuck, you have called for, I will shut down the government if I don't get my wool. None of us have you said... You want to know something? You've said okay, it. Okay, you want to put that you on my... You said it. I'll take it. Oh, and I disagree. am proud, and I'll we tell you disagree. what. I am proud to shut down the government for border security, Chuck, because the people of this country don't want criminals and people that have lots of problems and drugs pouring into our country. So I will take the mantle. I will be the one to shut it down. I'm not going to blame you for it. The last time you shut it down, it didn't work. I will take the mantle Good. of shutting down. And I'm going to shut it down for border security. But we security. believe you shouldn't okay. shut it down. Let's bring in Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl with us from the White House. John, you've seen a lot of things in this town, but you haven't seen anything like that. Uh, absolutely not. And uh, by the way, the Democrats were told going into that meeting that there would uh, it would not be before the cameras. This was going to be a private meeting. It was the first meeting uh, that President Trump has had with the Democratic leaders since the midterms the first time. Uh, he's met with them since we have a new reality, incoming reality on Capitol Hill of the Democrats controlling the House. And let me tell you, uh, Devin, if that's an indication of how the next two years are going to go, uh, I, I, I can't imagine where we're going. Yeah, uh, and, this, and, this and John, was rough. It, it, it was rough, maybe more so for the president. Democrats were glowing when they got back to Capitol Hill there. Just with the sound, we just heard the president seeming to take responsibility for the coming shutdown he wants, right? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I've been debating uh, with, with any number of people on, on, on different sides of this uh, who, who won this exchange. I don't know if it's obvious at this point, but... Uh, but but the one thing that did happen is the Democrats clearly goaded the president into taking full and complete ownership uh, for a shutdown if a shutdown does in fact happen. I mean that that line and he said it many times. But the one that you just played there, where he said that, that he would be proud to shut the government down uh, for port, border security, was really quite a statement. But at the same time, you know the um, uh, the, the, the Democrats sat there, um, uh, and I've never seen a situation in the Oval Office uh, where you saw things just kind of like break out like that. I mean, this is the Oval Office. You're meeting with the President of the United States, and as you can see in the images you're watching right there, uh, the, the, the Senate Minority Leader could barely look at the President in the eye. Um, I mean, the, 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 the body language was something, but his, but his almost unwillingness to directly engage uh, the president and, and, and clearly rattled the president, uh, but I'm not sure it, it made the Democrats look all that great either. 
You know, and Chuck Schumer wasn't the only Democrat in the room. Nancy Pelosi was there. Yeah. Something of a test for her as Speaker-designate to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the president. Let's take a little listen uh, to what she had to say to the president when, he told, when she told the president he doesn't have the votes for the border wall. Take a listen. Good. Nancy, would you like to say something? Well, thank you, Mr. President, for the opportunity to meet with you uh, so that we can work together in a bipartisan way uh, to meet the needs of the American people. I think the American people recognize that we must keep government open, that a shutdown is not worth anything, and that you should not have a Trump shutdown. Uh, you have the, oh, the oh, White House, Did you Trump, Trump shutdown. Oh, oh. You have the White House, you have the Senate, you have the House of Representatives, you have the votes. You should pass no, it No, we right don't have now. the votes, Nancy, because in the Senate we need 60 votes. No, no, but in the House. And we don't you have. You could bring it up right now. Yeah, but today. I can't, excuse me. But I can't get it passed in the House if it's not going to pass in the Senate. I don't want to waste time. Well, you, well the fact is, you can get it started that way. The and House, we can get passed very easily. Okay, and then we do. do it. Then but do it. the problem is the Senate, because we need 10 Democrats to vote, yeah, and that's they not won't the vote. Point, Mr. The point is, is that there are equities to be weighed. And we're here to have a conversation Correct. in a prayerful way, so I don't think we should have a debate Correct. in front of the press. So, John Carl, both sides, there's some truth to what they're saying. The votes, though, simply aren't there for this border wall. Any sense from your reporting whether a compromise could be in the works, or are we just going to hear it a stalemate for a while? I don't see a compromise uh, in the works at all, Devin. Of course, this is an unpredictable situation, but I, I really don't sense it. And, and there are a couple of factors here. Uh, one is that both sides, I think, have calculated that they can benefit politically uh, from a stalemate. I think that uh, Democrats now, especially coming out of that meeting, believe that uh, a partial shutdown will be completely owned and, and blamed on the White House. And the White House believes that this is a fight uh, worth having. And the other factor here, Devin, is that this will be very much a partial shutdown because uh, you, you have the majority of the uh, funding bills have already passed for the year. Uh, so it's it's most of the government will continue to run. The essential services will continue to run. The military will continue to get their pay. Uh, the, the border security will still be there. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a shutdown that will not affect uh, a, a great number of Americans. You're not going to see national parks shut down in the way you've had in the past. It's going to be a much more limited shutdown, which means it could go on for a long time long time. The other thing I, I wanted to point out is that coming out, of, you mentioned Pelosi, um, she went up and huddled with her aides after the, uh, after the meeting um, and said some pretty fascinating comments describing what had just happened, including talking about the president's insistence on the wall. And this is, according to an aide that, that was briefed by Pelosi, uh, this is what she said. She said it's like a manhood thing for him, as if manhood could ever be associated with him, this wall thing. Can you imagine? I mean, this is this is where we are at. Uh, it's it's a complete breakdown uh, in civility. And I asked uh, the the uh, the incoming speaker about her meeting right here at the White House stakeout. Uh, looking at the larger picture, because remember, this was not just about the wall. This wasn't just about the spending bill. This is the first meeting with the Democratic leadership about how what, what reality is going to be like. In, in, in a world where the Democrats controlled the House. And I asked the speaker, what does this say about your ability to work with this president over the next two years? And she said that she's extended the hand of friendship and 
you know. But I mean, that's the hand of friendship. I I, I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to see what, what what comes next. Yeah, I think both sides gonna they need to take some time to come to grips with the new reality and perhaps yeah. what friendship means. Uh, John Carl, thank you so much for joining us, John. Really appreciate your time. Uh, more reporting from John Carl on World News tonight coming up at 6:30 Eastern time. Uh, meanwhile, I want to go to Capitol Hill where our John Parkinson. Uh, who covers uh, the House of Representatives, has been a longtime student of Nancy Pelosi. John, you've been tracking the reaction uh, on Capitol Hill to this performance among rank-and-file Democrats. You know, Nancy Pelosi uh, got the support of her caucus to be speaker. She's not yet speaker, uh, and a number of her members were watching her performance today. How are they responding to uh, her face-off with the president? Democrats are definitely fired up by Pelosi's performance there in the Oval Office. I met with a couple of progressives earlier this afternoon, and they said, look at this. This is proof that when you have negotiations going on, that Nancy Pelosi is the best representative that Democrats can have at the table. She's the one that can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with President Trump. She's not phased by going into the Oval Office, and it's not her first time in those types of negotiations. So they're really confident, and they think that today's uh, tone of the, of the meeting, even though it broke down, they still think that it was very positive for Pelosi. And they did come, John, as you know, with two uh, offers, if you will, on the table. One of them to basically continue the limited amount of wall funding for another year. The other to simply kind of keep the status quo a CR. Um, what, what's your sense on the Republican side? Do they, is there any interest in embracing the Democratic proposals here? And how are they responding, uh, Republicans, to the president's vow to shut it down? Well, I think there's definitely momentum here to, to get behind some of these other appropriation bills beyond the Homeland Security bill, right? So that's where all the hang-up is on border wall funding. But some of these other ones, you know, both Republicans and Democrats are saying that the other six titles on appropriations are nearly finished. And Nancy Pelosi, as you said there, she's saying, why can't we just pass an omnibus with that and a continuing resolution on Homeland Security and be done with this, right? This isn't a fight that Democrats want to take to the next Congress. If the government does shut down on the 21st at the end of next week, when are we going to get out of it, right? You have to look at that. So I think that if there's a shutdown, it could carry us into the 116th Congress, and then it's going to be on House Democrats with a new majority to find out a way to open up government. You know, and Catherine uh, Falders, one of the things that was fascinating to watch uh, behind some of the headlines that John is talking about mm -hmm. with the shutdown and the wall and the like, uh, the president was sort of talking, uh, making two different points. Nancy Pelosi called him on it. He said border security, border funding, it's working very good right now in the mm -hmm. country. As you just saw a graphic we put up, the uh, Trump administration today said they built 40 miles of the Trump border wall. The, the border wall is, is 19, the border is 1,900 miles. So they, exactly. they really have only made limited progress on the and, president's and this comes Exactly, and this comes from a fact check from one of his tweets earlier when he, uh, when the president said, um, much of the wall has already been built. Well, you see there those projects, right? That totals uh, about 40 miles of wall. So no, much of the wall hasn't been built. That's a slight fraction of it. And it's, um, it's not clear that Republicans want to spend $5 billion on it when uh, they haven't even spent the money that's already been appropriated for the wall last year. They haven't spent that money yet, so there's certainly going to be a tussle over that right. with the deficit, uh, it, what it is right now. Right. So thank you so much uh, for that fact check, which is very important. <laughs> Meanwhile, the president made some other news in his raucous Oval Office meeting today, announcing that the Senate will be voting on that criminal justice reform package that's a pet project of his son-in-law, Jared Kushner. This is sort of a uh, pretty remarkable 
piece of legislation that's brought together Democrats and Republicans, the Koch brothers, uh, even Nancy Pelosi on board with this one. It would reduce mandatory sentences for many low-level drug offenders in this country. Here's what the president had to say in the Oval Office meeting about what's coming in the next week on that. We just heard word, got word that uh, Mitch McConnell and the group were going to be putting it up for a vote. Uh, we have great Democrat support, great Republican support. So criminal justice reform, something that people have been trying to get. How long, Nancy? Many years. Many, many years. So a green shoot of bipartisanship uh, in, in the midst of this uh, political storm. Let's bring in our Jordan Phelps, White House uh, reporter who's been uh, point on this story all along. Jordan, uh, you've been talking to officials today uh, on both sides of this issue. Uh, some optimism that this big piece of legislation will pass. Give us a sense of what it would do. Remind people how significant this actually is. Yeah, Devin, so this bill would, uh, as you said, it would give judges greater latitude in determining the sentence for people who uh, make some nonviolent drug offenses. It would also aim to lower the nation's recidivism rate, so make some reforms to uh, the nation's prison system. Uh, but Devin, what's really remarkable here is that before today, this bill seemed essentially stalled. Um, and the bottom line here is that the president and his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, who's championed this bill all along, have kept the pressure on Mitch McConnell, who has seemed really reluctant uh, to bring this to the floor. And you heard McConnell today say specifically that he's doing this, he's going to give it a vote at the request of the president. So clearly this is the pressure from the White House that's making this happen. I, I talked to another key supporter of this who's been along for the whole process and said, that this also has to do with that bipartisan group on the Hill who also support this. Um, and Devin, one important caveat that even if this gets to the Senate, it also has to go back to the House. So not a done deal, even if it if, even if it passes the Senate. Not a done deal, but as you say, Jordan, it's pretty remarkable how much the White House has put behind this in the closing stages of 2018. The president's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, we rarely hear from him. Uh, made a pretty uh, remarkable appearance last night on Fox News to make the case for this legislation. Let's take a listen. Here's Jared Kushner from last night. So this bill will accomplish a lot to make our communities safer. The recidivism rate that we have is way too high, and not doing anything about that is irresponsible, and we're allowing people to go back to our communities who we can help. And there's a lot of programs based in uh, red states that we've really modeled this off of, so we know that this works. And Kushner's optimism coming right up against some pushback from conservative Republicans in the Senate. Take a look. Tom Cotton, normally an ally of this uh, White House, putting out a statement. Unfortunately, the bill uh, is still has major problems and allows for the early release of violent criminals, including those who assault children and who commit carjacking. So, Jordan, well, uh, you know, yeah. they're, they're not out of the woods. Devin, Cotton has been the most vocal opponent to this all along. So the White House was never expecting to get his support in the first place, but they did achieve a critical endorsement late last week in Senator Ted Cruz, who has been a critical holdout in coming along with this bill, uh, but he got on board with it after some revisions uh, that made this bill more palatable to him and some of those most conservative members in the Senate who had been reluctant to follow the White House's lead here. And Devin, also important to 
Note that the Senate bill goes way further than the House bill that initially passed earlier this summer goes. So this is a major reform that they're seeking uh, to make to the nation's criminal justice system. That House bill only was going to make reforms to the nation's prison system and deal with recidivism. This goes so far as to deal with those sentencing reforms, which was something that former Attorney General Jeff Sessions was unwilling to see go forward. And as soon as Sessions was out the door, we saw this bill take on some bigger amendments that dealt with that broader reform uh, of the sentencing system. Yeah, and a big left turn for President Trump, who ran on a tough-on-crime platform, somebody who once called for the death penalty for drug dealers, now talking about letting thousands of those people out of jail early. So certainly a fascinating story to watch. Jordan Phelps, thank you so much. Stand by. Uh, Catherine Falders, the other big story we're tracking down here, of course, is the staff shakeup at the White House. We've been talking about it for the last few days, ever since President Trump announced over the weekend that his chief of staff, John Kelly, will be gone at the end of the year. That set off a rampant speculation about who will replace him after Nick Ayers, the vice president's chief of staff, abruptly pulled himself out of the running for the job. Critical, critical job, Catherine. This is somebody who quarterbacks the president's agenda in this town, a major driver, and now it seems that the president is frustrated by the lack of options he has. Yeah, We're seeing some of them here. Exactly. You're seeing, yeah, right there. Um, Right. This is a job that most people in Washington would kill to have. And a lot of these candidates are sending out um, signals saying that they don't want to take the job. They're happy at Treasury. They're happy uh, at Commerce. As one uh, source texted me yesterday, we're back to the drawing board. You've seen all of these names out there, um, like Dave Bossie, for example. Um, yeah, he, let's talk about Dave Bossie. Mm -hmm. Dave Bossie is someone who has sort of, uh, we're not calling favorites here on the briefing room, but certainly someone who is getting uh, another close look. This is a former deputy campaign manager. He was on Fox News last night. Here's what Dave Bossie uh, had to say about the possibility of becoming the president's chief of staff. Take a listen. Brian, it's a humbling thing to even be on a list. I, whether people have, you know, take that list seriously or whether that's actually a, a serious list of, of people that the president's considering, uh, I have no idea. Uh, but uh, the folks on it are all friends of mine. Uh, the president is going to do an incredibly methodical job, just like he always does, in figuring out who best serves him and what the next two years looks like. And therefore, I know that the president's going to pick the right person, no matter who it is. So Dave Bossie is someone whose book uh, is entitled Let Trump Be Trump, somebody who perhaps could be the right kind of hands-off chief of staff the president's looking for. But you're hearing another dark horse candidate just emerging in the past 24 hours that the president's looking at. Yeah, and what I, what I would mention about Bossie, though, is he's appealing to the president as it relates to investigations mm -hmm. also specifically, and that will be ramping up on the Hill. Uh, Kellyanne is another one who's Kellyanne Conway. Uh, been floated uh, out there. Um, she's been in the mix before. Uh, we're hearing her. We're hearing um, Matt Whitaker, um, his acting attorney general, and then, of course, Mark Meadows, who's the conservative chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. So, who knows? Stay tuned. And point. there is some time. The and president said today in that no old rush? office spray, he said he's not in any rush. So, uh, we shall see. Uh, finally today, some interesting news of a slightly different topic, though we have covered it here in the briefing room on ABC News Live. After last summer, hard to believe it was uh, just over a year ago, the violence we saw down in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, with that Unite the Right protest and the uh, horrific killing, the murder, uh, of a young counter-protester, Heather Heyer, by uh, James Fields. He was the man driving that Dodge Charger.
charger you see there in the video plowed into the crowd of protesters, uh, killing Heather, injuring uh, several others. Well, today, James Fields, who was convicted uh, of murder, uh, was sentenced uh, by a jury to life in prison plus 419 years uh, for that crime. Uh, simply stunning. And we're joined now uh, on the phone by the mother of Heather Hare, Susan Bro. Susan, thank you so much for joining us by phone. Give us your reaction to the sentence today. Um, I'm relieved in the sense that this is a person who does not need to be out and about um, with the amount of anger and hatred that he currently has. Um, Heather deserved her day in court. The survivors deserved their day in court. And I'm grateful for the jury being very thoughtful about it, taking their time. And um, I feel that the wheels of justice have turned in this case, and that's a good thing. But you, we definitely have a lot more areas to work on in our country. Yeah, you sure do. And you've been, uh, you've picked up uh, the, the mantle of your daughter's good work and been spreading her message around. Uh, looking back on the past year, what has encouraged you the most about, uh, give us a, a green shoot from this story. What's, what's been the most positive thing to come from Heather's death so far? Um, I would say the fact that people have awoken to the need for direct action themselves, that the time for being a passive uh, onlooker has, has gone now. And I see a lot more people awakened to issues for marginalized communities, particularly the black community, the uh, refugee populations. Um, I'm concerned, though, because there's a lot of lip service, but not a, a, enough direct action to, to really make a big impact. And I want to see more of that. We want to see more impact. And we know, Susan Bro, that you will keep your daughter's memory alive in that mission. Thank you so much and happy holidays to you and your family. Thank you and the same to you and your listeners. All right, Susan Bro, the mother of Heather Hare, reacting uh, today to news that James Fields was sentenced to life in prison for that Charlottesville murder uh, just over a year ago. Uh, and ending today uh, here in the briefing room on a slightly lighter note, Catherine, uh, shifting gears a little bit, the First Lady uh, was getting in the holiday spirit today by doing some uh, t doing a good deed that all of us can take, uh, take notice of. She was out today at Joint Base uh, Andrews uh, in Anacostia, mm -hmm. uh, D.C., here giving out some gifts for Toys for Tots. Of course, the Toys for Tots program, uh, as you probably know, is run by the U.S. Marines. Uh, they give out millions of toys every year. You can give one, too. I give one every year. You can go to toysfortots.org to find out where to give uh, a toy. And uh, I know that some kids in need will greatly appreciate it. So thank you very much. Thanks for joining us here in the briefing room today. For Catherine Falders, Jordan Phelps, John Parkinson, I'm Devin Dwyer in Washington. We'll see you next time.